may be seated. This is my garage, and what I want to show you today is how to keep people from breaking into your house easily. Uh, one of the easiest ways to break into somebody's house is to walk up to their garage with a drill, and uh, I'm going to shut my door. It might get loud for a second. So what people do is they'll take a drill, they'll drill a hole in your garage door right there, and when they do that, they can take a coat hanger, push it through, and grab that little cord. When they grab that cord, it releases your garage door. And all they got to do is pull it open. So to fix that and keep them from being able to do it, all you have to do is take that little cord and wrap it. So. You'll still have access to it. You can still get in if your power goes out, but they can't break into your house. So that's this week's life hack. We'll have another one next week for you. So never stop learning. See you next week. Thank you to Critter. Some of you learned some great lessons today on how to Keep your house secure, and some of you learned how to break into someone's house this morning, right? So, depending on where you are is what you learned today. I don't know. I just know when Violetta first watched, she said, you're teaching people how to break into someone's house. I don't know what that says about her, but we'll move on this morning. We're going to start this series, Life Hacks, and uh, so each week, Critter is going to have a wonderful video for us, a life hack. Uh, but I want to say thank you. Uh, for one, Critter did a great job with the video, but also uh, he uh, filled in last week and preached during our graduation service. And I got to thank you to technology. got to listen to that this week uh, on Facebook. And he did a great job preaching on temptation. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last Sunday, to hear that, or if you didn't go online already and listen to it, to go to our website and listen to a great message uh, that will be great application for you on temptation. Um, and then two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Haley, my pastor, got to speak for us, and I was blessed to also listen to that on, uh, on our website and appreciate the challenge he was for our church. As God measures the church, and God measures us, doesn't he? And so I appreciate him filling in for us. And, uh, it's, uh, and so I want to take the opportunity this morning to say thank you. Many of you uh, were here Wednesday night. And uh, maybe just a commercial for Wednesday night. We have uh, always on Wednesday nights have a great opportunity to have uh, kind of an informal Bible study in uh, room FC 104. And so we had a great crowd Wednesday night. And uh, we got to, I got to show some pictures of my trip. And uh, so I want to say thank you from you as a church. Uh, because you guys have been so faithful over all these years to give to missions. Then I had the opportunity to see some of our missionaries. And so... Uh, I had the opportunity two Sundays ago, I was in Romania, and uh, I got the privilege to speak. It was really a, a really neat thing. I got to speak to, uh, it's the Roma Gypsy people uh, in Tinka, Romania, if you want to look that up. It's kind of in the northwest, almost on the Hungarian border uh, there. But I got to preach, uh, my youth pastor, Steve Switzer, was there, and he preached before me. And then I got to preach after him, so it was a really neat experience to preach together. 
Um, and then, so in that men's conference last uh, two weeks ago, Friday, Saturday, and then the Sunday, we got to see uh, four men uh, there give their life to Christ. Uh, one lady gave her life to Christ Sunday morning, so it was a great, really neat opportunity to be with our missionaries, Jerry Abbott and Curry Kondraki there uh, in Romania. And then we went to Greece. So half of our groups, a big group, uh, several different uh, from all over, really, the United States. Uh, Curry took a group to Ukraine uh, to continue their women's ministry. And then uh, myself and several other pastors, we went to Greece. And we got to be with our missionaries, uh, George and Luisa Damakos. Uh, some of you may be familiar with them. And I encourage you to look them up. Uh, they have a ministry called Voice of Truth. And so their son-in-law, James, and daughter, uh, Christina, Cindy, are also missionaries there. And so we got to spend some time with them. And so last Friday and Saturday night, we had the opportunity to speak in their ministry. Um, they have a really dynamic ministry. So on Thursday nights, they have an outreach for uh, really a church service for uh, Ira uh, Iraqis. That is Arabic, their Arabic ministry. Then on Friday and Saturday, they have what they call their Farsi ministry mostly Iranians and some Afghan refugees that come to these on, on a Friday and Saturday. Then Sunday morning they have their Greek slash English speaking ser service. Uh, so they, they're reaching all kinds of people. But George and Louisa, their, their uh, testimony over the last almost, I think they're one month shy from five years of seeing at least one person be saved every single week for the last five years. Amazing what God is doing there. And so we had the opportunity to go into uh, one of the refugee camps uh, Friday before the service. I got one picture I want to show you uh, uh, of three guys that got baptized. We got to be there Friday night for their baptism service. Uh, these three guys, the two tall guys uh, are from Iran, and the shorter guy that is in the robe there is from Afghanistan. And we couldn't, uh, they did not want us to show you uh, or show their, their faces uh, due to the fact that if people over there uh, figure out who they are through social media or whatever, uh, then they would, they're, more than likely it would be their family who are back still in their country uh, would be persecuted. And so pray for these uh, three men. And like I said, they've had hundreds of thousands of people uh, coming out of um, war-torn areas who are refugees who have given their life to Christ and now are going all over Europe with the gospel. Uh, it's pretty amazing uh, ministry there. So I just want to say thank you for letting me be a part of it. I'll, I'll show you one picture uh, just because it's a cool picture. Uh, this is a uh, beautiful little girl, Liana. Uh, and just to pray for them, we, like I said, we got to spend a, an hour in one of the homes of one of the refugees. Um, and just in my ignorance, uh, my assumption, I guess, was that refugees were people who had no money and fled where they were at for you know, varying reasons, mainly for safety. Um, and then they were now in an area that wasn't their home, and they still had no money. And that was just kind of my understanding. Um, and everyone that I met that now has been saved uh, through the ministry, their voice of truth, uh, every one of them that I spoke to, uh, that wasn't their story. Every one of them had uh, careers. In fact, the, the home that we were in, um, this family, he was uh, a college graduate, from a university, had a civil engineering degree, was a civil engineer in Iran, um, and had to flee his country. Now he's stuck in this, you know, 10 by 12 uh, house, metal house, um, trying to learn English and trying to get a job. Um, but he has Jesus. And uh, so just pray for them. This, this girl was uh, born in August. 
her dad in November. Uh, they're from Iran, but her dad uh, has been in Germany since November trying to get paperwork to get uh, the mom and this precious girl back or into Germany so they could be together as a family. Uh, so they're just kind of in two different places. Uh, this girl's mom got saved since she's been in Iran and uh, has been inviting everyone that she talks to to meet Jesus. Uh, so just pray for that ministry for George and Luis DeMarcus and, and then also for James and Christina uh, Cindy. But again, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to go to represent you and, and to be, uh, be able to be an encouragement to our missionaries. So I want to invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs 1, we're going to start this new series called Life Hacks. And um, maybe I have an assumption in here that I shouldn't have. And that is that my assumption uh, as I began thinking about this series was that everyone would know what life hacks means. Um, and I'm guessing maybe there's some of you who do not. And uh, so let me give you this great definition of life hacks, okay? This is defined by Wikipedia, all right? So life hack is, it refers to any trick, shortcut, skill, or novelty method that increases productivity and efficiency in all walks of life, all right? So uh, let me give you another definition in case you didn't grasp that. This is from the Urban Dictionary, all right? A tool or technique that makes some aspect of one's life easier or more efficient. And so as we think about this, and we're going to spend some time going through the book of Proverbs, we're going to talk about life hacks or, or areas in our life that we want to grow in wisdom, that we want to become more like Christ. And so there's going to be a lot of practical things about how we can be more like Christ. Now, so let's give a little bit of background in our, so if you have your insert this morning in the bulletin, I encourage you to grab that out, get a pen, uh, get your Bible opened or your Bible app, and follow along and uh, fill this out. And, and uh, so we're going to kind of spend some, this morning, some um, laying some foundation for the rest of our series, all right? So the first question there is who? In other words, who wrote the book of Proverbs, all right? The answer is Solomon, all right? So King Solomon, you have three bullet points quickly there under that. He's the king of Israel, the son of David, the son of Bathsheba. And I think that um, we need to pause for a moment to kind of hit on some important things, some aspects about who Solomon was. So Solomon's, obviously we understand he's the son of David, so now he's the king. We see that he is the king of Israel, but the one I want to pause on is that third one there that says he's the son of Bathsheba. I think there's some important lessons for us just in the fact of who Solomon is, the author of most of the book of Proverbs. Now, most of us, I think, will be familiar with who Bathsheba is, but maybe we're not familiar. Maybe there's somebody in here that doesn't know. So let's just take a quick tour or a refresher on who Bathsheba is. Remember, Bathsheba was married to a man named Uriah. Her husband was in battle for the king of Israel, for David, the father of Solomon. And the scripture says, David, when, when time that kings were to be at war, David was not. David was tempted by, by Bathsheba. He had an affair with Bathsheba. She became pregnant, and so he was trying to hide his sin. And so he brought Uriah back from the battlefield, hoping that Uriah would be with his wife, and then his sin would not be found out. 
But Uriah had much more character and integrity and morals than the king did. So the, Uriah did not go into his house. He slept out on the porch because he, his statement was, How can I be with my wife when all of my men are fighting in battle? A man of integrity. So David's plan to cover up his sin didn't work, so he decides, well, I'm going to get Uriah drunk. Then maybe he'll do what I want him to do. He gets him drunk. Again, Uriah sleeps on the porch, has more integrity than the king. So David gives Uriah this paperwork, writes a note, and seals it, tells it, Uriah to give it to his commander. His commander opens the note, note basically says, send Uriah into the, the heat of the battle, then pull everyone back so that Uriah will be killed. And that's exactly what happened. So David has had an affair with Bathsheba. He's killed Bathsheba's husband, and now he has married her. And this woman is the mother of King Solomon. Okay, so if you know the story that uh, God punishes David's sin, and in his punishment, one of the consequences of his sin is that that child that was born out of the affair died. So some important things, that two things that I think that we need to point out this morning in this story before we get into Proverbs and we think about Solomon is that God forgives sin, but there's still consequences for our sin. So David committed the sin, and you remember the story as the prophet Nathan came, and David had hid this sin for probably at least a year, at least nine months. He had hid this sin and not confessed it, and, and Nathan... the points it out to David, and David confesses, and he receives forgiveness. But there's still consequences for his sin. But the second part I want us to think about is not only is there consequences, God gives forgiveness, but God is merciful and gracious to bring good even in bad situations. So so let's think about this. David and Bathsheba should have never been married, correct? It was a, a marriage... That was born out of sin. Yes? Yes. Solomon was the product of that marriage. The marriage that should have never happened. Did God still use Solomon? Yes. Can God fix our messes? The truth is we're all messed up. Can I get an amen? Amen. We're all messed up people, aren't we? But, But what I don't want to just glance over is to realize... That even in our mess-ups, God can bring his name glory. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that even though I daily mess up, there may still be consequences of my sin, but there's always forgiveness and grace and mercy, and, and God can still use me. I think of Samson. Scripture says that he, he brought dishonor to the name of God because of his sin. But then it also says that he produced or did more for God in his death than he had done all and previously in his life. So even in his sin and his mess up, God forgave him and God still what? God still used him. So Solomon is the son of David, the son of Bathsheba. So what is the book? All right, let's answer the next question there on your outline. It's a collection of Proverbs, right? So you can kind of see that in Proverbs 1 through Proverbs 9, it seems to be one dialogue. But the rest of the book of Proverbs is pretty much just a collection of Proverbs. 
Okay, just this collection of Proverbs. But we need to point out something that Proverbs, what Proverbs is not. Okay, so when we talk about Proverbs, the statement there on your, your outline says, a pithy statement or a concise statement about how life generally works. But look what the next thing says. Proverbs are principles, not promises. Okay, so they're principles that generally would apply to our life, but not always a promise that God is going to make it happen. So, so one, let me point out one, Proverbs 22, 6, that a lot of us, especially us as parents, could probably, probably quote, right? Train up a child in the way he is he should go, and when he is old, he will what? Not depart from that. That is a principle, not a promise. That changes the perspective of how we look at that verse, isn't it? Because here's the problem at looking at that verse as a promise. Because you and I know people who we have observed raise their kids in church and to do the right thing, and everything seems like they've done what God asked them to do, and their kids... Don't follow God. So what does that make me do? If, if, that's, if that's my case, and I'm holding to Proverbs 22 6 as a promise of God, then it leads me to do one of two things. Believe that God is not a God of his word, because his promise hasn't come true. Or to second guess the way I raised my kids. Maybe I didn't do it right. Maybe I didn't do this. Maybe I didn't do that. And the truth is, every parent in the room has, has done that on some level, right? So it's not a promise of God. It's a principle that if we will raise our kids to know God, generally speaking, they will not depart from it. But every kid at some point has to make their own decision, don't they? Yes or no? Yes. yes. All right, so again, the book is a book of principles, not a book of promises, all right? So let's continue on in our outline here. So it's uh, written by Solomon. It's a collection of Proverbs. The third one, the, the question, why? So why did Solomon write this book? To make us wise, all right? To teach us wisdom, to make us wise. So if the purpose of the book is to make us wise, then the obvious question, at least in my mind, is, well, then how do I become Wise, And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the first seven verses of Proverbs. So if you have your Bible, let's read Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Verse number 1 says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. All right, so that's the, all the information we've already given you, right? It's right there in verse number 1. It's a book of Proverbs from who? Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Then you'll see in verses 2 through 6 the what. Why did, why, did, why did Solomon write the book of Proverbs? Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the word of the wise and their riddles. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So number one, how do I become wise? Fear the Lord. 
Fear the Lord. And all throughout Proverbs, uh, particularly in the first nine chapters, you're going to see the, a, a word. You're going to either way, or it's going to be path, or a road. And it's going to be over 25 different times in the first nine chapters, this idea of a way, or a path, or a road. The way of wisdom, or the way of folly, or the road, or the path of wisdom. Or the, and, and there's always going to be this comparison. The way of the wise, the way of the foolish. The way of death, the way of life. Over and over and over. And it makes me think of Matthew chapter 7. Remember when Jesus was, uh, the, Matthew 7 is kind of the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, verses, seven, or excuse me, verses 13 and 14, he says this. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So in this Proverbs, talking about the way of wisdom, how do I get wisdom? What's the way of wisdom? What's the path of wisdom? What's the road of wisdom? It begins in verse number 7, the fear of the Lord. Josh Smith would equate the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament as, as the New Testament, you must be born again. So in order to have wisdom, I must have what? Jesus. Because what is the way, or who is the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. In John chapter 10, verse 9, he said, I am the door. If anyone enters me, other translations would say, I am the gate, as he was talking about the sheep. If anyone hears me, he will be saved and will go in and find a pasture. So the fear of the Lord brings it with this understanding that I'm going to place my faith in God for my salvation. Now this past week, I told you that I had the opportunity to be uh, in Greece. And Friday night, we got to watch those get baptized at 5 o'clock in the evening. Our church service wasn't going to start till 7. So we had this like hour and a half window of just kind of hanging out as people came in. And most of them were wanting to try to figure out how to speak English. Most of them could not speak English very well. Most of them are Farsi speakers from Iran. And so we were just kind of sitting down and had an opportunity to start talking to a couple different guys. One of the guys who uh, I talked with most... I realized in, in several of my different conversations, I couldn't quite understand even what they were saying in English, and so I would have them spell it for me, and as they spelled it, then I would understand what they were saying. And so then I realized that if they could spell something, then they could probably read something. And so I was sitting there talking to a, a man named Majid, and Majid is 32 years old from Iran, been in Greece for about a year, doesn't have a job, lives in the refugee camp, trying to learn English. And so I'm talking to Majid, and I realized, I, I decided I'm going to try something. So I had my iPad there, and I, you know, just go to my notes section, pull it up, and I start typing. This is the first question, uh, excuse me, the second question. I ask him, how do you know, about, how did you know about this place? And so he, in broken English, tells me that I think it was someone invited him, and someone of a friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing. Then he started, I started explaining or asking, why, why did you come or why did you keep coming? And he was trying to uh, explain it in English, and I really couldn't understand him. So I typed out, searching, looking for the meaning of life, is that why you're here? 
And he simply said yes. So then he asked, or I asked him a question, are you a follower of Jesus? He said no. And I said, are you Muslim? He said no. Then he, so then he realizes that maybe I can read better than I can understand him. And he pulls his phone out. And he types in his phone in Farsi, it translated in English, and then he shows it to me. And he said, I respect all religions. So then I type him something back and show him, and then he pulls his phone out again, and he sh- types to me, what, what do you believe about all religions? And that's the question he asked me. And so I type back to him, I respect all religions, but I believe and I follow Jesus. And he reads it. Then he just kind of looks at me like, I don't know where we're going from here. So then I open up another app, and I pull out. Anybody have the Version Bible app? So I pull it out, and I turn to John 3.16. Turn to it. I love the Version Bible app because I could easily highlight the verse. So I would show him the verse, and he would read it out loud so I could hear him. So we go to John 3.16. For God so loves the world, he gives his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting Life. Then I turn over to John 14, verse 6, and he reads, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Then I turn over to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrated his love toward us, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then I turn over to Romans 10, 13, and he's reading out loud. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be, in his words, saved. And he stops and says, saved three times. And I could tell he's processing. So he pulls his phone out and he types, I assume, Savid in Farsi, and it gives him a description. So we talk a little more. We go to church service. Here's the gospel presentation. And then we, he comes back Saturday. Saturday again, he hears a gospel presentation. I was wise enough between Friday and Saturday to download Google Translate on my iPad, so it would be a little easier but Saturday night, Majid came and gave his life to Christ. Amen. He was born again. He was saved. That's what the Old Testament, to fear the Lord, in this passage is meaning. That you've placed your faith in God for your eternity. In other words, in the first, especially in the first nine chapters of Proverbs, when, you, when it speaks of wisdom or gaining wisdom, that's to believers. We just read here, for one who's wise to increase in knowledge. And I think there's, so I think there's two aspects. So number one is fear the Lord. The next one, number two on your outline, is follow the Lord. And I think the fear of the Lord, it, it brings to us salvation understanding of who God is, understanding that God sent his son Jesus to die for my sins, understanding that at one day I'm going to stand before God, the judge, and give an account, that one day he's going to ask me, why should I let you into my kingdom? And the only, the only answer that's right is because I place my faith in Jesus Christ. The fear of that decision, the fear of standing before God, that if I've not come to God through Jesus, as Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to God except through Jesus Christ. The fear of that reality of Scripture leads me to place my faith in God for salvation. 
But I think there's another aspect of the fear of God, and that is the fear of God that leads me to follow him. So it's the fear of God that leads to salvation, but there's also this fear of God that leads to big church word here, sanctification. The process of becoming more like Jesus. And here's the reality I believe in our world and in our culture today that we don't have a fear of who God is. How many of you have heard that the fear of God simply means to have an awe and a reverence of who God is? I know I've said it, I've heard it, and that's an aspect of it, but that's not all of it. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, what did Jesus say? Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. God is an all-powerful, righteous, just God. And he has given us salvation for free, but he has set a standard for us to live while we're here. That fear of God leads me to salvation, but it also should lead me to follow him. This process of sanctification. Listen to what Matthew Henry said. The best evidence of our having the truth is our walking in the truth. The best evidence that I belong to God is that I look like Jesus. And I wonder in our culture today, if we have watered down who God really is. God is love, yes. God is also just. God is holy. God is righteous. And we should fear God. And the healthy fear of God should lead us to live like God's asked us to live. And in I'm convinced in my own life, you you can think through this for yourself, that if I feared God more on a daily basis, it would impact the way I live. It would impact the decisions I make, the choices I make. You know what's unfortunate? Is I think that we... We fear people more than we fear God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like we're so worried about offending someone. And in our lack of courage to tell somebody about Jesus because we don't want to offend someone, who are we offending? Who who are we offending? God. healthy fear of God leads to salvation, but it leads to me following in this process of becoming more like Christ, sanctification. Do I fear God? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's how I continue in wisdom, which leads us to the next one, number three. Make wisdom a priority. Make wisdom a priority. Turn over to to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. 
Verse number one, Proverbs 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver, search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. You will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. My question is, are you pursuing wisdom? Wisdom is not just knowledge. In fact, I would say that wisdom is more about a person than it is about information. When I pursue wisdom, the reality is I'm pursuing Christ. And I'm, I'm convinced that many of us in this room this morning, we are pursuing a lot of other things besides Jesus. Maybe a lot of good things. There's a lot of distractions in our world today, isn't there? Saturday night, when we were closing up the last service, and uh, most of the people that stuck around were believers. Again, most of the group Saturday night were from Iran. M- most all of them were refugees. As I learned their stories, one, Muhammad was a world-class kickboxer in Iran who had his own studio, very wealthy, And now he was cooking for the voice of truth, making 10 euros a week. But he found Jesus in Greece. Another man was an IT director for a gas company in Iran. Fled the country, came to Greece. A friend of a friend invited him to come to Voice of Truth on a Friday night outreach. And he met Jesus. And another man was talking to Steve uh, Switzer, and he told Steve, I don't remember all this, the details of his past career, but what his testimony was to Steve was, when I was in Iran, I had everything. I had everything the world has to offer. I came to Greece fleeing for his safety. He wasn't a believer. Someone invited him to this ministry He gave his life to Jesus. And what his testimony to Steve was, in Iran I had everything, but I didn't have Jesus. In Greece, currently, I have nothing. He's a single man. Because he was single, what Steve could understand through the broken English was because he was a single man, he couldn't get into the refugee camp. Steve wasn't really sure where he was living or if he had a place to live. But what he specifically said to Steve was, in Iran, I had everything, but I didn't have Jesus. In Greece, I have nothing, but I have Jesus. And he says, I wouldn't want it to go back the other way. My, My guess this morning, by evaluating my own life, is that most of us in the room aren't in that same place. Yes, we have Jesus, but what are we pursuing Everything the world has to offer. What should, we, what should we be pursuing? Wisdom. And I would say wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is a person. It's Jesus Christ. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? And, and this morning we're going to have a, a, a time of worship 
We're going to continue. But we're also going to have a time of response. And so the next few minutes of this service is an opportunity for you this morning to respond to what God has told you in this message today. Maybe this morning God revealed to you, just like he did Majid and my broken, you know, translation, that he needed to give his life to Jesus Christ. Maybe God's revealed that to you this morning. And I'm going to encourage you in this morning, in a moment, we're all going to stand and we're going to continue in a song of worship. And I would ask you this morning, if, if God's revealed that to you today, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk forward this morning. There's going to be others that are going to come forward to pray, but I want to encourage you to walk forward. There's going to be people here at the front of the auditorium. They're going to be facing you. And if you would like to give your life to Christ, when you walk forward this morning, then just shake their hand. And they would love to open up God's Word and explain to you what it means to give your life to Jesus. So I want to ask real quickly this morning, as their eyes are closed, would anyone say this morning, John... God has revealed to me today that I have never given my life to Jesus Christ. Would you put your hand up right now? If that's you, just put your hand up this morning. Put it up, leave it up for a moment as I look around the audience. I just want to pray for you. Any, anyone like that this morning, just put your hand up. Who would say it here this morning, John? The truth is, I'm pursuing a lot of other things besides Jesus. Would you put your hand up this morning? Just put your hand up. Just acknowledging that to, to God this morning. Just put it up. A lot of us this morning. I'm going to ask you in a moment when we stand to come forward and pray about it. If you'd like someone to pray with you, as I said before, just shake their hand and ask them to pray with you. If you want to pray by yourself, then just kneel down here and pray. But we all this morning need to wrestle with the question, what am I pursuing? The wisdom of this world or the wisdom of God? God, this morning we come to you and Lord, we are, Lord, I am challenged this morning by your word. Lord, that in my life that there's some some priorities that need to change and shift. Lord, to put you back in the proper place. And Lord, many have raised their hand this morning to, to make that same statement. I'm convinced this morning there's many that didn't raise their hand that need to make that same commitment. So God, this morning as we worship, convict us, prod us, move us, Lord, may we pursue you. May we pursue wisdom in the person of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning as Dave leads us in worship? If God has spoken to you, would you come forward and pray this morning? Dave?